All right. We're uh, we're not going to be talking about memorials today, if that's what you thought. Um, today is actually what they call Pentecost Sunday. So we're going to break out some snakes and some tambourines, and uh, we're going to get. The, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We're we're going to look at Pentecost today because it's a very important part of the church. It's a very important part of ministry. And we're going to look at the two different things in the Bible today. We're actually going to go back and look at the Tower of Babel, and then we're going to look at Pentecost because there's, there's, you, you have to put them two together to understand the significance behind Pentecost, but you've got to look at actually God coming down at the Tower of Babel. So we're going to be in the Old Testament and the New Testament both. So um, if you've got your Bibles, turn over first this morning. We're going to be in Genesis 11.1. Genesis 11, 1. And then after that, we're going to be over in Acts chapter 2. So we go from Genesis 11 over to Acts 2. And I'll start out with a little something. I thought about bringing some sticks, because I was wanting to see Ethan break a bundle of sticks today. But that would have been really good. But there's this little boy, and he's helping his dad clean up the yard, and, uh, and they decided that evening that they was going to have a little campfire. And so the dad had this bundle of sticks tied together, and he told his son, break this bundle of sticks. And then the dad walked away to go do some more yard work. And so that little boy got that little bundle of sticks, and he took it, and he just started beating that thing over his knee, and it wouldn't break, and he leaned it up against the house, and he stomped it, which wouldn't break. And he tried and tried and tried for about an hour, and he could not get that bundle of sticks to break. So the dad came back over a little bit later, and the boy's sitting on the ground looking at that bundle, and he's just tore all to pieces. He's sweating. He's just tore up because he could not break the bundle of sticks that his daddy told him to break. So the dad took the bundle, and he untied it, and he took one stick out, and he broke it. And he took another stick out, and he broke it. And another stick out, and he broke it until they got the entire bundle broke. This is kind of the same thing with the church. When we are tied together the way that God has intended the church to be, you can't break us. But when we go off on our own, we get broken. As a group, we're stronger. As individuals, we are weak. And so that's where this lesson comes from this morning out of the Tower of Babel, is that individually we get weaker. Back in the Old Testament, we find a, a, it's a really neat story about the building of the Tower of Babel. And we're going to read it first, and I'll kind of, kind of break it down before we get into to Pentecost. If you'll stand with me just a second, we're going to be in Genesis 11, 1. Genesis 11, 1. The Bible says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. 
And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one tongue, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. Remember that little part right there, let us. Go down. Let me find it again. And therefore confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning as we come to you, we thank you again for grace and mercy and love. And Lord, we just thank you for being long-suffering. And God, we just thank you for what you're doing for us. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for filling us up, Lord, and for allowing us to be here to worship and to, to honor you. And I pray, God, we do just that. And Father, again, as, uh, as we mentioned earlier with this being Memorial Day weekend, I pray that we not forget the men and women that have sacrificed it all so to save this country, Lord, where we could be here today to worship you, to honor you. God, and I pray tomorrow that in this weekend and always that we not forget what they have done for us. And I pray again, God, today that you would just have your willing way with this service, be with those that are here. God, I pray that you just touch their hearts and bring us even closer to you. I'll listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So this was early, early on, early on in history. This is very early. Population was pretty small, and so there wasn't as many people as there is today, but they were gaining knowledge throughout this time. And so the new technology for the day was bricks. Now, that sounds weird, don't it? Technology. When we think technology, we think computers or cars or electronics, things like that. But back then, they didn't have that stuff. So the new technology for them was bricks. They figured out how to make bricks. And according to the Bible there, they can make slime too. Not the stuff that Paisley makes with dish detergent and glue. Have you got into that stage yet? Oh, I'm so, oh I hate that. I don't know who came up with that idea. Oof. But they can make mortar. They can make bricks. So they said, well, we got this technology. Let's just go to heaven. Literally. Let's just go to heaven. Let's just build this up, and we'll head on up there and see God. And so they, they were out and about. They found a, a plain, a big flat area, and so they said, we're going to build our city, we're going to build our tower, and we're going to go to heaven. Well, then God came down. So we know, number one, we know they never made it up there because God had to come down. God came down to them, and he looked around about. And so he talked to them. Now, they thought they could reach all the way up to heavens, but... What we need to look at right here at this first part is what is their motive? Why did they want to go to heaven? Why did, now, when I say when they, they want to go to heaven, it wasn't about salvation. All right, That's not the heaven that I'm talking about. They wanted to get to heaven. They wanted to get up to God. It's almost like we were talking about Wednesday night with the devil and how, they wanted, how he wanted to be above God. Well, they wanted to be on God's playing field at the same level of God. They wanted to be almost like God's. But their motive is in verse 4. And verse 4 says, let us make us a name. That was their motive. They wanted a name. They wanted to be known for what they did. And they are known for what they did. 
And the Bible tells us later on, it says that, they, that God come down and he confounded their language. So whenever you hear, like, we, we listen to Clayton right now when he's, he's talking a lot right now. We call it chattering, or not chattering, we call it jabbering or babbling. That's where that word babbling comes from. People that babble and they're just talking, you know, randomly just saying whatever, that's babbling. That comes from Babylon. That comes from the Tower of Babel. Because God confounded their speech, they were babbling. The Bible says the tower had not reached heaven at all, and so he had to come down. The purpose of the tower was to unify them. It was to, to bring them together, to be stronger. In their minds, they were trying to come together and be stronger. They had one language that they wanted to gather everybody together through one great achievement. They wanted everybody to get together and be a part of this big old tower. We're going to build this thing, and we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to be great together. But instead, God reversed their plan, giving them different languages so they couldn't understand each other. So we know God's plan for us. The Bible tells us that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so they were trying to do their own thing. They were trying to get on God's playing field. And so he came down, he, he reversed their plans, he changed their plans. Nowadays we'd say he threw a wrench in their plans, even though wrenches didn't exist back then, but he still threw something in there and changed everything up. Not only did he change their language, but he scattered them out. Sent them out all over the place. Sent them abroad, according to the Bible. The tower intended to bring people together was a tower that scattered people away from each other. When we separate ourselves from God, we will separate ourselves from God's people. Write that down. When we separate ourselves from God, we will separate ourselves from God's people. When you say, I'm not going to church, so-and-so made me mad, or I don't want to be a part of that group because so-and-so made me mad. When you say, I'm not going to be a part of God's church, You've separated yourself from him, but you've also separated yourself from his people. We need one another. Lord knows this day and time that we're living in right now, we need God's people in our corner. We need God on our side, and we need his people on the other side. Because we can't make this through this world on our own. We've got to have him. But we need good, godly Christian people to talk to to find comfort in, to find advice in. Be careful when you separate yourself from God because you're going to lose a lot more than just Him. Now their language, instead of being in the same, it all sounded like what we call babbling. I said that a while ago. It, it, it just, just didn't make a lick of sense. The place then becomes known as Babylon, and what we know in the Bible about Babylon as it's one of the most evil places. So God came down and messed up their plans. Now I'm going to look at technology for a second. And no, I'm not going to harp on the internet and all that stuff. But I want to go back to 1961. And I'm going to turn this technology down a little bit. I want you all to think about 1961. Some of you might remember it. Some of you have read it in the history book. But 1961... Soviet Union sent a man into space 
And he was the first man to orbit the earth. I can't remember his name, but I'm sure you could just say anything and it sounds similar to it. Them, them Russians. What this man said still to this day bothers a lot of people. So this man is orbiting the earth. He hollers back at the Soviet Union or whoever. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Houston he was talking to. And he said, I see no God up here. That was his words. I see no God up here. So that's what technology does to people. It tries to make people get on God's playing field. It try, technology, when we get it in our hands, we want to be better or higher than God. And so even today in 2023, we find things that we try to use to make us better than God. We have that, I mean, it's just 1961 up to right now, we have that same impression. We can use what we have to be better than God, to get higher than God. We use technology to build something that will take us into, into this, to heaven so that we can see whether there's a God or not. They've got the Hubble Space Telescope. They've got all these telescopes and satellites and all this thing going on, uh, all this stuff going on up in the in the, in the in the universe, and we've got NASA, and we've got all the, and the Chinese and the Russians, and we've got all these people that are up there, or out there, trying to find heaven. They're trying to find God. They're trying to find something else. And it, we talked about that a little bit Wednesday night, about the levels of, of, of heaven. And that when we, when we talk about the heaven where God is, no man is going to reach that. No human being can reach that. Our souls, yes, but our flesh and blood is not. It doesn't matter what kind of technology this world has. They will not get to that heaven. God will allow that. It's crazy. We live out the scripture where Paul says, I love this. Paul, he, he hit the nail on the head on this one. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Or... We'll put a Jerry Clower spin on it and call them educated idiots. At this day of Pentecost, we see the reverse process now. At the day of Pentecost, that's where we're going now. We've seen where God separated them, mixed up their tongues, sent them across the earth. Now we're going to look at the day of Pentecost and where he brought everybody back together. He reversed the process. Now, I'm not going to make you stand up to read this one, but I am going to read this one uh, to y'all. It's Acts 2.1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they, that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parinthians and Medes, and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesotopia, 
in Judea, in Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, in Phrygia, in Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. I know that's a lot right there, but you need to see Pentecost and what took place. So that was a great thing that happened. So you go back to Babylon, and you see the tower, and you see where they come together to get bigger than God. Then you see here at Pentecost, the total opposite. They come together, and God comes down to them and speaks into them, and great things start to happen. Big difference between the two. Big difference in the Old Testament story and the New Testament story. Big difference in the intentions of these two groups of people. The intentions of the, the, uh, the Tower of Babel was to make a name. They wanted to be known as something, someone, someone greater than God. And you go to the New Testament, and you have this group, and they're there in the name of God. Big difference. Big difference in trying to be a God and being together in the name of God. And they were excited, and they were curious, and they were wondering what is going on around here. I can only imagine. Uh, back in February when I was in Israel, we went to the upper room where... All this took place, and you just sit and you look around, and you're looking, and you're trying to. You can only imagine what it was like to sit there and experience what they experienced. The thoughts of the, you know, they they knew that part of these people were Galilean, and I ain't gonna try to read off the rest of them people, but they knew they knew who they were, where they came from, and I can understand him. He's speaking in his tongue, and I can hear him in my tongue. What's going on? They were amazed. Languages developed, and of course, it continued to do so all over the world. Today, there's, I was doing a little research on this one, and there's over 7,000 different languages. Right now, over 7,000 languages. Can you imagine? I don't know how many was back then, but can you imagine? Under, I'm barely fluent in English. I worked with a guy. Did you ever work with Ed Morrow? You know Ed Mara, seven languages. He is fluent in seven languages, and he's Irish to top it off. Seven languages. I struggle with English. 
but yet you go into Pentecost, however many languages is going on, they understood it. They knew what was going on. Now I want to look at some of the differences between the Tower of Babel and the day of Pentecost. Babel, if you, if you, what well, we read this a while ago, if you really look at this, it's a symbol of rebellion. Babel is rebellion. But then you go to Pentecost and it's a symbol of unity. That's not in day. Rebellion and unity. Rebelling against God, unifying in the name of God. At Babel, the people wanted to make a name for themselves. At Pentecost, the people wanted to glorify God. See, we, we have that problem in churches nowadays. It's not about the people in the church, or it's not about God in the church, it's about the people in the church. It's about praising the pastor and not praising God. So that's what's going on in Babylon. They were praising the people, not praising God. You go into Pentecost now, and they're praising God. It's not about all the different tongues that were there. It's about God, the way it's supposed to be. Babel was an example of man's will. We can make bricks. Let's go make slime, and let's go to heaven. Pentecost was totally different than that. Pentecost was a perfect example of God's will. Man's will, Babylon. God's will, Pentecost. Not in day. Babel was nothing but bad news. And, of course, Pentecost was nothing but good news. Babel showed God's judgment. And we've seen that. We've seen what, what did he do. He came down, and he scattered them. He sent them abroad, sent them across the nations. He changed their tongue. He came down. He was, he was mad. He was upset. He didn't give him leprosy, though, did he? It wasn't like Miriam in the, our, our Sunday school lesson this morning. Instead of giving him leprosy, he, he's mad, and he, he sends him abroad. But at Pentecost, he shows him blessings. Babylon is judgment. Pentecost is blessing, blessings. The message of Babylon, or Babel, was we are gods. That was that message. We are gods. The message at Pentecost is we're gods. We are his. That's a big difference. We are gods, and we're gods. We are our own gods at Babylon. We are his at Pentecost. They figured it out. The message of Babel was God is nowhere. The message at Pentecost is God is here. God is here. Now, even though God came down and was technically with them, he wasn't with them the way that he was at Pentecost. When he came down, he came down in a different form. When he came down at Pentecost, we know a little bit later that he filled them with the Holy Spirit. That's a different kind of coming down on them. He came down and filled them at Pentecost, but he came down and scattered them at Babylon. What Pentecost says to us is that God is not far away. That's the message of Pentecost. The message of Babylon that they had was God's way up there, let's get to him. 
message of Pentecost is God's, God's here. He's everywhere we go. We can get to him anywhere we want to, anytime we want to. God is with us. Emmanuel, he's with us. And so they finally got it. Pentecost gives us an example for the church to follow. It gives us some principles that we need to learn as the church of God. The church of Pentecost is, is <laughs> I'm getting ready to step on a toe or two, but the church of Pentecost is closer to being the church of God that, that God had in mind than what we have today. The church of Pentecost is what God had in mind. What's going on today in the churches is not what God had in mind. We've, we've, we're, we're, we've drifted way too far from that shore. We've drifted away from what God had intended the church to be. First thing I want to look at this morning is we need to, an atmosphere in the church where God can move. So it gets a little stuffy in churches sometimes. There's too many things that go on. We have, I had a couple meetings last week, and they were talking about all these things that's going on inside these churches. All these events, all these things, and I'm not against things going on. I'm not, whenever God is glorified and it's helping build up the community and the church and people are being saved, I'm all right with that. But churches can get cluttered sometimes. They can turn into a social, it can turn into a social event instead of a church event. We need to have and make sure to always have room for God, a place where God can move freely inside the church, inside our hearts, around these pews, around these four walls. We need to have an atmosphere where he feels at home with us. When the day came, they were all together in one place there at Pentecost. There was an atmosphere that brought them all together. There's that, it's almost like we were talking about last week, that, that sweet savor, that sweet smell. Uh, I, I love those old cartoons, old Bugs Bunny and all that, old, the older ones. I love those things. I think about some of those where they'd, Somebody would make a pie, and they'd set it in the window to cool off, and you could see the smell. I said that right. You could see the smell, and you could see the smell going through the air, and then they would, it, it would go into their nose, and their feet would fly up off the ground, and it would kind of draw them in. That's the way we've got to look at the church. It's a sweet savor coming from inside the church, and it's getting in the nostrils of the people outside the church, and it's bringing them in. We, that's what we want. We want to draw him in, that sweet smell that he has. These folks at Pentecost, they were waiting together because they knew in their hearts that Jesus would fulfill the promise that he made over in Acts 1. There was another promise, and it was like that. You know, a lot of these promises that we see from God, sometimes it takes a while to happen. Over in uh, Acts 1.8 it says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto both me and Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. None of them wanted to miss this. I wouldn't want to miss this. When he spoke that, I'd get all antsy. Like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this task, Lord. What have you got for me to do? And they sit, they're gathered together, and they're waiting for this. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew that they wanted to be a part of it. I don't think they understood the significance and what God had to say to them right there, that there are some great things getting ready to take place. They were just willing vessels to do whatever God said to do. And so they just hung out and they waited for this to take place. 
that's the attitude that we should all have when it comes to the church. We don't know what God's going to do, but we want to be a part of it. When we come in on Sundays or Wednesdays, we don't know what God has in store for the church, for each one of us. But when we come in, we want to be a part of it. Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, I don't know what you've got in store, and it's probably, probably going to be scary as I'll get out, but here I am. Send me. I don't know yet, but I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Secondly, the church has to be able to get the attention of people outside the church. Throughout that whole book of Acts, we see the church was too powerful to be ignored. See, that's, that's what I mean by the church back then is not the church right now. Back then, it was powerful. Right now, we're weak. The church itself is a minority, and so people don't take us serious anymore. Not the way that they ought to. That's the reason we see so much going on in our country right now, not just this country, but this world, is because the church is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Do you think if we was as powerful as the church at Pentecost was right now that we would be even discussing uh, homosexuality or however many different genders there are out there in this world or abortion? No. Those topics would never even be mentioned because the church would have taken a stand a long time ago and just cut that completely out. We would never even talk about it. But we're not the church at Pentecost anymore. We are failing we're failing God. We're failing the church. We're failures. We need that kind of power. We can get exactly what they got at Pentecost. It's there for the taking. We can have that if we want that. They hear a sound. I love this part right here. They hear a sound like a violent wind that fills the whole house. They saw tongues of fire. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. And here's what I like. Verse 7 and verse 12 says the same thing. They were all amazed. They were all amazed. That's the part of the church that I want to see us all get back to. To be amazed at what God is doing. To be amazed God has blessed us, each and every one of us. He's blessed us greatly with some, everything's different for each one of us, with family or jobs or whatever it is. He's blessed us greatly. We should be in amazement like they were at Pentecost. But I believe that we're, we're getting complacent in our faith. We're getting complacent in our relationship with God. And so we're not amazed anymore. It's like, oh, he did it again, and we move on to the next thing. They were amazed at what they seen, what they felt, what they experienced, what was going on at Pentecost. They were all amazed. All, all were amazed. An active church will get the attention of folks outside, outside the church when God's moving inside of it. Why? Because it's the power of a changed life. When we see changes take place in lives, I'm not talking about just through salvation, but when we see the Holy Spirit pouring out on individuals and we see them getting out in the community and testifying and going out and helping and doing for others as we're supposed to, loving thy neighbor, people will see that change. 
and want to come in. But of course, there were some of those that were amazed, but there are also some of those that were uh, just amused. If you look at verse 13, it says, Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. They're drunk, got a little too happy, and so just showing off. That's what they're saying. They didn't believe. We aren't really persecuted so much when, because people will say the same things about us right now. We're not persecuted so much nowadays, but there are those who will poke fun at our faith. They call us Bible thumpers or snake handlers or whatever you want to call us. They, there's all kinds of names for us. Just because we're happy in the Lord don't mean that we're crazy. Just because the Lord's blessed us and we want to tell the world about it doesn't mean that we're, we're, we're crazy people. We're happy people. we got something to, to brag about, somebody to brag about. But remember that there will always be those who will be amazed. They'll have something about us. There's going to be something about us that's different. It's good, and it, it's going to open us up an opportunity to present the gospel. They're going to see it. They're going to know, want to know about it. Thirdly, churches have to open their doors. In the early church, there were those who didn't want to allow Gentiles into the church. They were segregated. They didn't want people in there. The Bible tells us that uh, in, the, in the Middle Ages, Jews were, were barred because of the color of their skin. I don't quote Martin Luther King very often, but he, had, he did say one thing, probably one of the most truest statements that this man or any preacher has ever stated in, in, in life. And this is what he said. 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour of the week. That's an oh my, not an amen. But he is right. 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour of the week. There can be no discrimination in the New Testament church. We can't do that. There's no room for it. We can't discriminate because of race or age or gender. There's only two genders, by the way. We can't discriminate because of that. Male and female, welcome. Black, white, yellow, whatever, it don't matter. You're welcome to the church. That's what we're supposed to, we're supposed to welcome them in. Churches have a tendency to look down on young people. They say, oh, they ain't mature enough to be here. We can't use them. They ain't mature. But then they turn around and say, well, they're too old. They ain't got enough sense. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to point at you like that. That's, the, that's where we're at in the church. We're not happy with anything. We're set. We're complacent. We're set in our ways. They're too young. They're too immature. They're too old. They ain't got enough sense about them now to do anything. Well, then who's going to be working in the church? Where's our workers? Some are immature and some are too old. It ain't about age. It's about your relationship with God. It's about the walk that you have with Jesus. That's what matters. How close are you to God in your walk? God didn't start using Moses until he was 80. You remember that? One of my commentaries said this, and he, he was spot on with this one. Moses spent his first 40 years thinking that he was somebody, the next 40 years realizing he was a nobody. That's Moses. It took him a while to figure it out, but he got it. Finally, God's church has to lift up the name of Jesus always. 
What does that mean? Lift up the name of Jesus always. Well, I've got three verses for you to back that up. John 12, 32 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. John 3, 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then John 8, 28 says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So how do we do this? How are we going to lift up God? How are we going to praise God? How are we going to lift up the name of Jesus everywhere we go? How are we going to lift up the name of Jesus just inside the churches? We lift his name up when we praise him. When we praise him, that exalts him. That's all he wants us to do. Just praise him. Thank him for what he's doing. Glorify his name. doesn't matter what it is. Lord, thank you for, for giving me breath this morning and giving me rest last night for a roof over my head, for food in my plate. Whatever it is, just praise him. That's glorifying him. But don't just do it in your mind and your heart. Be vocal about it. Tell everybody about it. Brag about him a little bit. I'm not ashamed. That's what Paul says. I'm not ashamed. Tell the world. Tell them all. This does one thing, and it calls attention to God. It brings attention to him, not us. Because when you put a spin on it to bring attention to yourself, you'd have messed up. But when you start bragging on Jesus a little bit, it brings all the attention to him. It brings all the praise to him. It brings everything and focuses back on him and not you. And that's what he wants. We see him lifted up at, the, at his death on the cross. The perfect Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, according to the Bible. This was not an accident. Folks, him being crucified on that cross was no mistake. It was planned. From the beginning, we know that it was planned. Even, I mean, Old Testament, we knew it. But even Mary knew it at his birth. Every, they knew it was not a mistake. It happened exactly as planned. Satan thought he had won when Jesus was crucified and placed in that tomb. But on that third day, what the Bible tells us, he came out of the tomb. And at that moment, at that very moment, the devil knew he lost. At that very moment, he knew that he had been defeated. At that very moment, he knew who held the keys, death and the grave. The resurrection of Jesus was no longer just the prophecy that we had all been reading about in the Old Testament. It was a fact that the devil and nobody else could ever ignore again. It was fact. It was a promise. It was a prophecy that had been fulfilled. And to back it up, I've got a few things here for you to back up that he did. He was risen. Mary Magdalene saw him. Other women saw him. Two disciples saw him. Peter saw him. Ten of the apostles saw him. Then they saw him at the Sea of Galilee. Then 500 brethren saw him. Then Paul saw him. You can't make this up. All right, they didn't get out there on Twitter and tell everybody, hey, Jesus is back. And then everybody said, yeah, I seen him, I seen him, I seen him. No. What happened? They seen him individually without getting together and conspiring to make this stuff up. He made himself present to all these people. So we know he's a risen Savior. And because they saw the risen Lord, their lives were changed forever, and they left a message for us to share. They wanted us to share it for them. They're not here. 
these folks have seen it, these disciples that were a part of it, Paul, all these people that experienced this, this encounter with God, they, they can't tell people about it. But we can. We definitely can. Church, we've got to lift up the name of Jesus everywhere we go. We've got to tell the world exactly what is written in the Word of God. We've got, we're, we're, his, we're his mouthpieces right now. We're his hands and feet. I can't remember the song we sang last Sunday on the way to church, something about, if I tell you to preach, I'll, I'll go with you. It's biblical, I just can't remember the scripture. Anyway, if he tells us to do something, he's going to help us. Just like Moses had speech impediment, but he used him. He still used him. He's going to use us. We've got to lift up the name of Jesus always, everywhere we go. Lift him up. Praise him, thank him, brag about him all you want to. But no matter what we do, we've got to lift him up. Stand with me. Lift yourselves up. We're going to close out. Obviously, it was pretty boring today because Clayton is out. I guess so. Appreciate y'all. I did not mention this a while ago, but before you leave, if you haven't got a baby bottle, grab it before you go out, fill that puppy up, turn it back in before uh, Father's Day. And that is the only fundraiser that, or only means of income, I guess, that the, the pregnancy center has. So grab a bottle, fill it up. They might look different, but it's the same size. Yeah. <laughs> fill it up checks, get a mason jar and fill it up, $100 bills, whatever you want to do. But grab bottles right here in the foyer, grab one before you leave, fill that thing up. Anybody have anything on their hearts this morning before we close out? Nothing? Nobody? Everybody's quiet? All right. Jonathan, would you dismiss us, please?